This is Kincaid and Breckenridge, exclusively on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Piper Kerman joins us on the radio right now, author of the memoir Orange is the New Black, and she'll be in town on April 14th for an event with the Elizabeth Fry Society. Piper, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. Good to be here. So this is a, an interesting interview um, because the, the, the show, as we understand it, is sort of is based upon the book that you wrote, obviously. But how close to reality is that program? Well, you know, the show is an adaptation of the true story that is told in the book. Uh, you know, we're looking at releasing the fourth season uh, in June. And so I often say that Genji Cohan, who is the show's creator, you know, she's the woman who created Weeds, um, takes the book and she puts it in a blender and she puts a lot of other ingredients in there and she presses liquefy. And uh, it's fascinating to me as the person, you know, not only who authored the book, but who, you know, lived the situation that is in the book, to see how she picks and chooses aspects of the book and twists and turns in the new ways in the show. Well, it's interesting because your own experience, I mean, uh, you know, you, you did, as I understand, I think it was 13 months in, in jail back in 2004, money laundering, drug trafficking charges. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and look, I mean, people go to jail and, and turn their lives around, and that's obviously what you did, but there, there, there was a point to writing the book then. What, what, what were you hoping to achieve by, by telling your story? Uh, when I came home from prison in 2005, uh, you know, I had been really transformed in a variety of ways, and most importantly by the women who I did time with. And what I found, what I experienced during that year of incarceration was so different than what I feared and what I anticipated that I thought it was really important to think differently about prisons and about prisoners. Now, in the U.S., where I live and where I was incarcerated, We, of course, have the biggest prison population in the world by far and the biggest prison population actually in human history. No society has ever been so reliant on prisons and jails. And I just thought that if that were true, more Americans should be thinking about that. And really, it's more than just an American situation, especially when you talk about women, because all over the world, including in Canada, uh, women are the fastest growing portion of the, the prison population. And I often think of, you know, other forms of harsh punishment that we're aware of in the U.S. Of course, we have the death penalty. In the U.S., we sentence children to die in prison. Uh, no other nation does that in the world. But the situation of women in the criminal justice system is often a more everyday example of harsh punishment because the vast majority of incarcerated women are there for low-level crimes, drug offenses, low-level property crimes, not for crimes of violence and not for sort of kingpin crimes. Right. And I think that I think that that's something people understand, like when they compare this sort of stereotypical female prisoner to the stereotypical male prisoner, that we're more likely to find a hardened killer in a male prison than a female mm-hmm. prison. But I mean, I, I suppose that speaks then uh, quite broadly to some of the social concerns that we have that might lead uh, women in particular to to be imprisoned to, by virtue of the crimes that they commit. Yeah, I mean, we know exactly what drives women's involvement in crime and their potential incarceration, and that is substance abuse, it's mental illness, uh, and very strongly, it's actually the experience of crime and violence. The vast majority of women who end up locked up have been the victims of sexual abuse or other physical abuse 
prior to being incarcerated. So, you know, thinking about how we can intervene on those kinds of fronts in a way that doesn't involve a cage is probably well worth doing. For even those women that, that we do incarcerate and, and do lock up, what should be the goal? What, what should that time in prison achieve? I think that's the central question that I hope that the book would provoke, and I certainly hope that the show provokes it as well. Um, <clears throat> we can certainly expect that a prison will immobilize a person. You, you can definitely check that box. Right. Um, in the U.S., very few prisons or jails um, serve much rehabilitative purpose. So they definitely you know, immobilize folks and sort of warehouse them, and they are unquestionably punitive. But you're right. We have to ask what we expect to be the result of the punishment. Because for far too many women especially, but really many, many people who go through the system, uh, they come out in worse shape than they went in. And that uh, is something that the community has to be concerned about because the vast majority of people that we put in prison or jail are returning to our communities. Um, And so, you know, we all have an interest in them being safe and successful rather than uh, coming home in worse shape. Piper, is that what you find? I mean, do you, do you stay stay in touch with other um, uh, other women who are in prison with you that you find that they have access to what they need in order to be you know rehabilitated members of society, or is there a tremendous failing that almost just recycles inmates? Uh, I do stay in touch with many of the women that I was incarcerated with. Many of the women who are depicted in the book are still in touch in one way or another, and I'm, I am happy to say that the vast majority of the people who are who are in the book are free now. Um, I actually think that women and girls in the system are among the most neglected prisoners that you can find, and that is precisely because we incarcerate them for low-level and nonviolent offenses. And so people who are, you know, women who are not much inclined to use violence while they're incarcerated to get what they want pose less, less of a security threat in a prison than a jail. And prisons and jails direct the vast majority of their resources towards the prisoners that they're most concerned about controlling. And that's not women and girls in the system. So, you know, perversely, female prisoners tend to be the most neglected prisoners, including, you know, a lack of rehabilitative programs while they're incarcerated and a lack of good options to make their transition back to the community safe and successful. Yeah, that's the thing that stands out to me, because if we let a rapist out of jail, for example, we, we ask the question, like, oh, what's the likelihood that he'll reoffend? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the answer is like, well, I don't know, is he still a rapist? But, I mean, if we're letting a woman out of jail who's committed some sort of low-level property crime for survival, and we ask, mm-hmm. what's the likelihood that she'll reoffend? I think the question is, I don't know, are we going to put her back into survival mode? Mm-hmm. Well, the vast majority of people who come home from prison, and again, almost everyone does, are going back to the community that they came from. And they're going back often to the self-same situation that they came from, though frankly, often a criminal conviction creates even more barriers to living a safe and stable life, like a lack of options in terms of housing and employment and uh, government, sometimes government benefits are denied to people who have something like a drug felony. So, yeah, there's a lot of very, uh, rather than being, there are perverse incentives around putting people in prison, and there are some very perverse barriers that we put in the way of people who need a really clear path to leading, you know, a law-abiding and a safe life. And that question of safety is a huge concern for women and girls in the system because it was a huge concern before they got locked up. 
Well, and understanding that the, the realities in the, of someone, what they're dealing with before they get locked up, because if, if there are conditions that, that are, are leading them on a path where they end up in jail, how frequently do people get out of jail and then just end up back in the exact same situation? Uh, the numbers vary, but the recidivism numbers can be unforgivably high. And if we think about that, not from this individual frame of like, oh, all these people just fail and fail and fail, but rather the system isn't doing what we expect it to do, we sort of come back to that question of what do we expect of punishment and is prison the best solution for somebody who is substance addicted, somebody who is suffering from mental illness, which contributes to sometimes them committing crimes, or someone who is surviving trauma like rape or sexual abuse or other physical abuse. And, you know, that trauma drives all kinds of behaviors that we want to change. But the idea that we can hold people accountable in the community and that that should be our first choice um, is one that I hope that more people take into consideration, especially as we look at the staggering cost of prisons, like the economic cost. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Putting people in prison. Because you went to jail for being like uh, an an unwitting participant to uh, drug smuggling? Or were you I committed a crime. I knowingly committed a crime. I carried a bag of money from Chicago to Brussels in in 1992. Um, What was the... I took responsibility for that offense. I was sent to prison more than a decade after I committed that crime. I had not committed any other crimes in the intervening decade. Now, I take responsibility for my offense, and I don't dispute my punishment, but I leave it to other people to d- discuss or debate whether, um, you know, the cost of that, uh, you know, was worthwhile That's for what the, I want to ask. the government and for taxpayers. What was the cost? And Did you calculate whether, it? you know, what they expect to come out of that punishment. What was the cost? Did you calculate that? Well, it cost... Um, more money actually to incarcerate women than men. Um, female prisoners are always a little bit more expensive. It varies a great deal, but generally the cost of a prisoner in the United States goes in between $30,000 a year and up to $60,000 a year. If it's a child, and we incarcerate over 54,000 children in the U.S., uh, that number is well over $100,000 a year. Um, so almost always more than the cost of, let's say, a year in college. Huh. Well, that event's coming up on uh, April 14th. Uh, it's in support of the Elizabeth Fry Society, elizabethfrycalgary.ca. But we can uh, read more about this. The uh, the night is called A View from Behind Bars, an evening with uh, Piper Kerman. Uh, tickets are available now. Piper, it's been uh, great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us here. Lovely talking with both of you, too. I can't wait. Come. <laughs> All right. All the best, Piper. Take care. Piper Kerman is uh, author of the book Orange is the New Black about her own experience behind bars, which, of course, led to the TV show. She'll be in Calgary uh, April 14th. It's at the TELUS Convention Center, elizabethfrycalgary.ca. Roger Kincaid and Rob Breckenridge, weekdays starting at 930 a.m. on News Talk 770 Calgary.